BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, robots. What you doing? Oh, hey, buddy, bot. Um, I'm just playing a game of Civilization. Uh, I installed some new mods, trying out some new levels and stuff. Um, man, this more this round's particularly tough, though. I yeah, it looks like looks like you're losing. Well, yeah. I'm, well, I'm not winning, so we'll just say that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not going absolutely awesome for me. Um. I don't know. My people just keep getting upset and they rebel in, in my cities. I think maybe I'm going to war too much. I, I know what you should do. Okay, what, what should I do? Give them pizza. Let them eat pizza. All right, Marie Antoine Buddy Bot. We'll give that a try. <laughs> Well, the uh, pizza strategy didn't work out for me, uh, just so you know. Um, but buddy, but I, I definitely, I did give it a try. I gave it my best. Sorry, it didn't work. Yeah, you didn't give it enough pizza. That's that's the deal. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give them more pizza next time. We'll we'll try that next time. Um, but we have a podcast to record, so I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Uh, so hey, everybody. Um, so <laughs> I was thinking about some of this civilization stuff and i i know you're probably wondering okay where am i going with civilization this is a podcast about fallout how does that work together well here's the deal i've been looking into some of the people behind vault tech and specifically stanislaus braun who if you recall was the guy behind vault 112 he was the guy who was in the simulation remember this simulation tranquility lane and he was the little girl betty and he was basically tormenting all of the other people in the vault and that seemed to be what he wanted to do that seemed to be his retirement plan and when we come across him in the vault it's 200 years after the war and he's still at it and and there's more to braun 
than just being a psychopath overseer in a vault. And this is where the connection to civilization comes in. So let me just give you a, and let's just frame this up before we get further into the details about Brawn. In civilization, you have many different ways of winning the game. The game of civilization is all about amassing power. You are a nation state in a world with other nation states. You're starting at the beginning of human documented history, we should say, or even undocumented history. And you're moving forward in the game. And as you move forward in the game, you have certain strengths, certain inherent strengths that your civilization is basically geared up to use. So, for example, if you are a highly intelligent leader who is into science and those kinds of things, then that's probably the path you want to use to win the game. If you are a very warlike leader, somebody like Genghis Khan, then that's probably the path you want to use to win the game. You're going to get buffs towards taking over other civilizations, certain types of war units, things like that. So there's multiple different paths. You can win by destroying everyone else. You can win by being the first to reach the stars through science. You can also win by diplomacy and social status. You can be the first civilization to really create a new world, a new society where everyone is so happy and so fulfilled through culture that you win that way. All of these different paths, though, have something in common. They are all paths to power. And the analogy here is that if you were to replace the nation states in this game with people, that these are all also paths to power in our own world. Some people seek power through economic gains, just like you can in the game. Some people seek power through destroying the competition some people seek power through science and any of these paths can be used and they can also work together you can have somebody who exam for example let's just let's just theoretically say there was a a politician out there who wanted to achieve power through economic means and by destroying the competition so that would be a combination of war and economy Let's say you have another politician out there who wants to amass power through science and culture. That could be a thing, too. All of these things can work. The detail here with Braun is that he wasn't just an overseer. He was somebody who was foundational to vault He was a scientist. He came from Germany and... His story, his involvement with vault and let's just call it the American experiment of vault uh, began when the U.S. military contacted him and brought him into the picture. You see, he was born in a small Bavarian town, Kronach, and maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong, K-R-O-N-A-C-H, Kronach, I think Kronach is probably right. And he made a name for himself there. He was a brilliant scientist. He was conducting experiments 
And he had a very long and celebrated career before vault even reached out to him. You see, he was most famous for experiments that were focusing on preserving and propagating life. And you can see where this is going. The U.S. military and vault working together were coming up with ways to experiment with life. Humans in vaults. How can we, what ways can we use to make sure that humans in vaults can survive and move on? And what situations can we put them in in order to figure out which things work and which things don't? At least theoretically, that's where they should have started. So they contacted him and offered him a job and he accepted and he became, quote, their sorcerer scientist. You see, he was behind so many of the different technologies that vault was developing. And you might remember a little thing called the GEC, the Garden of Eden Creation Kit. That was bronze. Braun developed this. And it makes sense. We're talking about the sustaining preservation and propagating of life. And for human life to exist, we need an environment that we can survive in. So it makes sense that one of the projects he was working on was a way to terraform a lifeless post nuclear wasteland into a fertile landscape somewhere humans could survive. And this invention was foundational even in Fallout 1. It's located in many different vaults. In fact, all of the vaults should have had one of these. Some of them had two. And it shows up in Fallout 3. It shows up in Fallout 4. Gecks are all over the place. They're propagated across the vaults as a way for the inhabitants to create an environment for themselves to live in after the war. But as we know from going through all of the different vault episodes, the majority of the vaults out there that we came across didn't actually end up using them, or at least they weren't planned to use in a lot of situations. So you might be wondering, okay, so what does the development of the GEC have to do with this ascension to power? Well, it was a way for him to further his goals, to prove to them that he was somebody worth investing in. He was doing his job. And in doing his job, they found him to be so successful at what he was doing that he was upgraded to the director of vault societal preservation program. This means that he had an influential role in the creation of many of the vaults, if not all of them. And we don't exactly know the full extent to which Dr. Stanislaus Braun was able to determine what these experiments were, but he was one of the people behind the scenes. And the more we learn about him, the more his fingerprints are all over the situation. So let's review what we know about Vault 112. In Vault 112, we have a very different situation than any other vault. In fact, 
it's not even very clear what was being experimented with. It was more of a retirement plan. It seems that Braun had worked his way into a state where he was important enough with Vault-Tec that he was able to design for himself his own vault, his own way to preserve his life. Because when we come across him in Fallout 3, it is 200 years after the war. He is not a ghoul. He is a preserved man in a coffin-like VR matrix plug-in kind of situation, but he is still alive and he is living his life in simulations where he is acting like God. Now, how do you end up in that situation if it's not for an ascent to power? So let's go over a little bit of the details here. Just a quick reminder about this. And I'm going to quote this from the villains.fandom.com article on Stanislaus Braun, which is actually really, really good. It says here, the last vault constructed prior to the Great War, Vault 112, the last vault he saved for himself, the last vault, was equipped with a highly sophisticated virtual reality simulator connected to the tranquility loungers in which the vault's populace would stay. While the bodies of the inhabitants remained in suspended animation inside the loungers, basically in a situation where they could exist forever due to the experiments and the developments of Braun himself, quote, their minds were interfaced with the simulator, allowing them to spend the duration of their stay in an almost infinite variety of settings, doing almost anything they pleased since the vault itself was powered by geothermal energy and maintained by an army of specially designed robo-brain caretakers, the occupants would theoretically be able to live in this virtual heaven near indefinitely, barring accidents. So you can see that this was a situation that anybody who feared death would be interested in. But there's a problem with this vault, of course, and those of us who have played Fallout 3 and those of us who have had listened to the Vault 112 episode know that Braun was in complete control of the vault that he was also living in and the simulation. And that means that nobody else in the simulation was living in their own heaven. For Braun, this was a heaven, but for everyone else, this was a hell and the full definition of those things, something that could have existed eternally. This vault could have gone on forever. And Stanislas Braun basically designed a world where he was God. Now, if that's not an ascent to power, then I'm not sure what is. So stay tuned. After the break, we're going to get into a little bit more detail about this vault specifically, which we've already talked about, but then how that relates to Braun himself. Hello there, old chap. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen 
pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve all right, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders, this is your host, Tom or Robots, and thank you again for tuning into the Fallout Lorecast. I hope you enjoyed our episode last week with our patrons. Uh, it was very enlightening, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of everybody being able to come together and discuss a difficult topic like that in such an informed and compassionate way. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to note here is thank you to all of you who have decided to pick up a loot crate. Uh, that promotion is doing really, really well. And it seems like you guys are really into it. Otherwise, this episode, I wanted to call out the different reviews that we've gotten. I didn't do that on the last episode. I've been moving it to the first episode of the month rather than the patron episode because that episode already is so long. So we actually got a bunch of really cool, really awesome reviews from you guys in June. So let's just dive into that real quick. So the first one we have here is from a name that I can't fully pronounce on stream. Let's just call him my ends best strawberry <laughs> or them. He, she, I don't know who this is. And they write absolutely incredible five stars. Robots does such a good job with all that he does for this podcast and all the research and time he takes to make each episode one of a kind for anyone who is even remotely a fallout fan. This is worth a listen. So thank you so much. My N <laughs> appreciate that. Also, we have one from Sotjavj. So Sotavj, Sotavj, S-O-T-O, I'm sorry, S-O-T-A-V-J from the U.S. who writes really good five stars. I started listening to this podcast after starting to play Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas on my 360. I like all the information you give me about the storylines and lore. Well, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Then we have one from Jake in the United States who writes real work of art. Robots with zeros does an outstanding job of going into the deep details of the Fallout game series. On the surface, the wasteland just looks like a carnage-filled funhouse, but underneath it lies a world 
full of stories of the human will. Praise be to Florida man. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jake. Then we have one from Spartan 118 from the US who writes, it's epic. I like this cast, especially that it only had the one host and he is very good at what he does. So thank you so much for that, Spartan. Then we have Iroquois 364 from the US who writes, this is an amazing, amazing, amazing podcast. I love listening to your podcast and have ever since I first heard about Fallout on my Xbox One with Fallout 4. This is the only podcast that I listen to alongside the World War II podcast because I am fascinated with these topics. I was wondering if you knew a good Star Trek podcast. If you do, I would love to know what it is. Thank you for all your amazing content. Have a happy Father's Day. This one came in right around Father's Day. So thank you so much, Iroquois. Um, I don't know of a specifically good Star Trek podcast, but I have a feeling one of our uh, listeners might. So make sure you jump in the discord and post that question in there. I bet somebody's going to have a recommendation. Um, also, if you find a really good Star Trek podcast, let me know, because that sounds really cool. Um, thank you so much. Then we've got Soul Invictus 76 from the US who writes review five stars. Hello, robots with zeros. I first experienced Fallout after playing Fallout Shelter for the first time a few years back. I picked up Fallout 3 half years oh if i'm sorry fallout three and a half years ago and have since played new vegas my favorite fallout 4 and fallout 76 i am grateful for this show and enjoy the fun sometimes cheesy way you present your show hats off to you what what are you talking about cheesy yeah i have no idea what he's talking about yeah i don't either buddy bot i have no cheesy jokes on this show ever yeah only pizza Right. Only pizza. All right. So then we have Jules on Mars from Germany. Welcome to our German friends. And we're speaking about a uh, German man on this episode. So, hey, there you go. Um, an amazing podcast for seldom players. Five stars. I found your podcast about two weeks ago and I absolutely fell in love with it. I barely get the time to play the actual Fallout games, but I love the lore and many different stories the developers get to tell within them. Thanks to your podcast, I can feel like I experienced the game without having to actually put aside the time to work on my own playthroughs. Thanks for making my daily commute and walking the dogs just radiate with joy. Well, thank you, Jules. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We have two more left. Chomsky? I think is the way this is pronounced it has a three for an E from the U S who writes so informative five stars. Awesome cast. I've been power listening from the beginning. I don't even know how I came across your podcast. Me and a friend just started playing 76 on Monday and getting all the lore is so much fun. I can't wait to get to your later pods and see how the show evolves. Keep up the good work, brother. Daryl from Buffalo, New York. Daryl, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you enjoy the way the show evolves because it's definitely evolved over the last year and a half that I've been doing this now. And it's going to continue evolving as I dig deeper and deeper into the lore of Fallout. That sounds like a good place to end it. But we have one more from Gold Pyro 99 in the United States who writes war. War never changes. Five stars. War. War never changes. The is... I think this is 2020. The world is on the brink of extinction. Holy hell. I hope that's not actually the case, but some days it does feel like that, doesn't it? So thank you to all of you for the five star reviews and the comments. If you would like to help me out, this helps a ton. The ratings and reviews really do push us to the top of the list, which we have been at for a while now. So thank you so much for that. We are quickly becoming one of the highest rated Fallout podcasts ever. 
And if you search for us on any of the platforms, we show up right at the top. So I appreciate that. And I hope you guys continue to keep listening. And also, I can't reveal things about future stuff coming out. But if you aren't listening to the Fallout Hub and to Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast and the Omega broadcast being all the Fallout shows on the network, then go listen to those. But specifically, check out the first two I mentioned, because there's some stuff coming pretty soon, like really big stuff that you're definitely not going to want to miss. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, I like the shows on my network. They're awesome. So I'll just leave that there. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So what exactly is it that makes somebody seek power to the detriment of all other things? In the situations at the beginning of the show, in the, in the, the context of using different tools or different methods to achieve power, in much of those situations, and in the sense of, say, a nation state on the world stage, you have to be competitive. And in order to be as competitive as possible, you also have to be able to reduce your empathy for those you're competing with. If you're going to war with another country, then you have to consider them less than human. Otherwise, it keeps you up at night because you're doing terrible things to other people. In order to achieve a scientific victory at whatever cost, then you have to be willing to experiment in ways that are not moral or ethical. For a company like Vault-Tec, somebody like Dr. Stanislas Braun was an ideal candidate for somebody to design these experiments because we can see, we can trace the types of experiments that were designed by Vault-Tec and the kind of person that we know Braun to be, the kind of person who in a vault, when surrounded by other people, spent 200 years finding ways to torture them as somebody who is a psychopath, somebody who fundamentally lacks empathy and not only lacks empathy, but gains joy from the pain and the struggles of others. And in this situation, he was the absolute perfect person to design a bunch of experiments on human beings that didn't take into consideration their torment, the situations, their lives, their deaths. So there's a theory out there that's roughly 21% of the CEOs in our country show psychopathic tendencies, are psychopaths on some level, and that this disconnect from empathy, this ability to work in chaos is actually beneficial in some ways and leads these people to positions of power. See the similarities there? Now, what's interesting about Braun is that he, in some ways, is a diamond in the rough. According to this article I found on Business Insider, what makes some psychopaths successful and others turn to a life of crime is determined by a number of things. IQ and education is one part of it, but it's important to note that the average IQ of a serial killer 
is 94.7, which is slightly below average. It's a fairly normal score. It fits right in the bell curve, but it's also slightly below average. However, people who go down the dark road are less likely to have received a good education and may have had traumatic family experiences. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Braun's upbringing, but we do know that he was a smart man. Now, this next part is what I find even more interesting. Remember what Braun was doing in the vault? He was tormenting, of course, the other people, but in the Tranquility Lane simulation that we enter into, he was Betty, a child tormenting the other people and children in the simulation, or at least children in their psychology. Many of the people in this vault no longer even really remembered who or what they actually were. It had been so long and psychologically they had been twisted so many different times in so many different ways that their visions of themselves in the simulation didn't necessarily even connect to who they were in real life. So hold on to that idea here. It goes on and says, the brain of a psychopath is also very immature. In fact, Swart, the researcher that this article is referencing, showed a photo of the neuropathways of a typical psychopathic brain, and it functions similarly to a very immature adolescent one. Betty. Think about that. The limbic system, the part of the brain associated with bonding, emotion, and memory in particular is damaged, and not at the stage it should be. It's as though the part of the brain which holds your pause button didn't develop properly. Rather than pausing in situations to think about other people, psychopaths are more likely to make rash, impulsive decisions. And if this doesn't describe Braun, then I don't know what does. Braun is known to respond almost like a child, like an immature child. When you break his simulation, when you break out of the hell that he's created for you when you get involved with this, he reacts like a child. He whines in the voice of Betty and says, quote, it's not fair. Nobody to play with ever again. He's concerned that your treatment of him is not fair and has no sense that his treatment of other, other human beings, the other people that were in his vault, let alone all of the other vaults he had anything to do with designing, was inherently not fair to them. I mean, what, what couldn't be more like a, I don't know, a younger version of a human, we'll say that, than somebody who isn't able to understand how to view the world through somebody else's perspective. It just kind of makes sense. So in wrapping up this episode, there are a few other details I wanted to point out here. Some other things that I, I think are really interesting. There are a few other variations on the vaults and the simulations that he was running that we do know about. One of them was called Toucan Lagoon. And Toucan Lagoon, assumingly, is a variation of this simulation world where he decided to take all of his guests to a lagoon, which of course sounds nice and pleasant like a vacation. Well, of course it wasn't a vacation for them. This was a situation where he removed everything 
from them that made them feel comfortable and safe. This was absolutely a hell, and he assaulted them with all sorts of virtual dangers. He was specifically delighted when Martha Simpson slowly wasted away from scurvy, and he really enjoyed listening to Tommy Newsbaum. Newsbaum? Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, Be eaten by sharks over and over and over again. And when he got tired of this simulation, he changed it into a ski vacation called Slalom Chalets. And in this situation, he gave them as much horror and pain as he possibly could from things like avalanches to frostbite. Now, these are two of the examples of situations that he put people in before we get to Tranquility Lane. But seeing as he was in this simulation for 200 years, then there was probably a lot more than just these ones. The other thing I wanted to point out here, which I think is really particularly interesting, is that there are a lot of other references in the other games to Stanislas Braun. Um, specifically, in Fallout New Vegas, it's implied that Braun was at least a temporary partner at the Big MT's think tank, Pig's Village the on-site housing for the think tank's executives while they were still human is virtually identical to Tranquility Lane. Additionally, both locations are involved in highly unethical experiments by brilliant but unhinged scientists. However, it is unknown if the think tank provided the scenario for Braun's simulation or if Braun designed and deliberately modeled Tranquility Lane on Higgs. Now, in either situation, we know that he was aware of what Higgs looked like, and so that became something that he used in his own simulation. Now, he also doesn't appear in Fallout 4, but he's mentioned several times in terminal entries in both Vault 75 and in the Vault Tech Workshop DLC. He's mentioned as overseeing and reviewing many of the experimental protocols, particularly in the Vault Tech Workshop DLC where one researcher, identified only as Ted, presents numerous projects which would largely benefit humanity, running counter to vault modus operandi seen in previous games. So that's what we know about Braun. His details, his early life, I wish we knew more about that. And I wish we had a list of all of the different faults that he had worked on. Was he the mind behind the majority of them are only a handful. We don't really know for sure. Or when he came on board with vault Tech and how much was designed before he was hired. Again, we're not really sure. Now, to finish this out, we do know that in Vault 112, no matter what you do, you can't directly attack him. He is kept separate from the rest of the vault and still protected. And anything you do in that situation to attack him results in your own death. You're struck down by electricity. So is Stanislas Braun still sitting alone in his own simulation? Is he growing more and more severely psychopathic as the days go by? Is he inventing people, more people, who aren't actually real, to torture? Or is he 
descended into his own hell, where he is finally alone. And he has to live with only his own mind as company. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com.